Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Hi, good morning. My name is Janice. I'm one of the pastors of the city. Uh, so good to see you. And uh, I just want to say it's been, I think, more than two months we haven't you know, met in person. Most of us have uh, been physically distant from each other. I am one of the more introverted ones, but even I, like during this time, there are a lot of things I'm enjoying, I'm embracing. Uh, but, you know, being physically distant for this amount of time is, is not, it's not good. And, and it's, it's just a good reminder that we're not meant to be alone, to, to stay alone, and uh, that we're made to connect with each other, uh, have relationships and community. So all that to say, Gosh, I, we long for the day that we can gather again physically. And, uh, you know, we probably need restrainers from, like, overhugging each other. But, uh, yeah, so for this moment, uh, it's so good to see you this way. Uh, and I hope you're doing well. I just start off um, telling you a story that happened about two weeks ago. So I was lying in my bed sleeping. And just in the middle of the night, out of the blue... I was just like shocked awake um, and, and I just sat up in my bed with a super anxious feeling in me. Now, most nights, uh, if not all nights, I wake up at least once, sometimes twice. And there'll be maybe three things I do. I'll check on the kids or go to the toilet or I'll just go back to sleep. Right? So it's not unusual that I woke up in the middle of the night, but it was unusual I woke up with this shock and, and sudden suddenly and just with this anxious feeling and over something that um, is, is rather humorous. It's quite a minor thing. Um, it, it was So one of my plants in the house is dying. And so I hadn't gotten around to improving its condition. And this anxious feeling was just worrying over this plant that's dying. Oh, you know, maybe I should get up and repot it now. And it was just crazy. And, and, and now you have to understand in our house, and we have about like, you know, quite some pots of plants. In our house, at any one time, there will be at least one plant that's not doing well. So it's not unusual. Uh, but so, yeah, I just couldn't explain this. So I just sat there and I tried to, you know, get lie down and go back to sleep, but I couldn't. Every time I closed my eyes, this image of the dying plant was just haunting my eyelids and crying out, you know, uh, I'm not doing well. So it was crazy. And, and I spent so much time just trying to get back to sleep. So in the end, I just had to uh, do some deep breathing and then just ask God to help me to go back to sleep. And so that's like two weeks ago. And I actually know these past few weeks, many of us have said we've had general health or sleep issues, uh, posture pains and uh, can't sleep well, uh, despite the fact that um, for many of us, we should feel a bit more rested than, than usual. And I think really, um, not to be taken lightly, but I mean, this, this period of time of disruption that we're all experiencing is in some way causing a restlessness in us that it's good to be aware of and um, know some practical ways of managing it and really to learn to look to God from whom our help comes, right? Um, and so, so, I, so I've been reading up a bit more on um, what's been hitting people extremely hard and just want to share with you some very quick stats on mental health. And so one of these is from CNA. 
in the U.S., we've seen a 338% increase in call volume. That's huge. And that is in a difference of a month. So like from February and then in March, the increase was 338%. I don't know what the latest one is. I, I just read this from this article. And then in China, two researchers from a corporation found out that even though the National Health Commission had, had um, uh, rolled out some interventions for a psychological crisis, they found that they reported in China a heightened public mental health crisis. What about in Singapore? So organizations like SOS or SAMH, Singapore Association for Mental Health, and Failure at Community Services, they've seen spikes in the number of people calling in the last month getting assistance for distress, feeling distress. SOS alone reported that compared to March last year, this March they've seen uh, 23% more calls. Uh, so that's 3,826 calls, just SOS. There are existing cracks, I would say, in our society and in societies everywhere that under this unprecedented pressure right now are subject to the danger of breaking. And um, this will take years, a decade or more, for us to recover from, especially in places with high level of isolation and just intense, like more, more intense form of lockdown. So one article uh, on Bloomberg writes, even when the quarantine places have seen success, based on what they've studied from past epidemics, like SARS, for example, and um, just the persistence of mental illness after that, what we're looking at is we'll be dealing with side effects long after the last case of COVID-19, and more so for those who are in the medical profession. Of We're talking post-traumatic stress, anxiety, all that kind of thing. So I know I'm not painting a pretty picture at the start of the message, but yeah. So now for people of the Spirit series, the text we've been looking at in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, tells us the nine traits of the fruit that is produced of the Spirit in people of the Spirit. Right, and we're seeing, uh, we're saying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this morning we're delving into what's related to all this that I've been sharing. Um, the fourth week of our POTS series, in which we're talking about transcendent peace. So very glad you're tuning in, and uh, really hope and pray that God has been ministering to you through the worship, uh, and now the word. So. Be sure to have your Bibles with you, and we're ready to start. Let's pray. Would you repeat after me? Okay. God, our Father, our Creator, we come to you because only you have words of eternal life. You are our hope and our Redeemer, our refuge in the storm, our most safe place. We ask for you to show us your way everlasting. Direct our steps and strengthen our knees. And lead us into truth. Breathe into the scriptures we are learning from. Reveal yourself to us. In the name of Jesus, our peace, we pray. Amen. Now, as a good place to start, let me draw your attention to three different kinds of peace that we see in Scripture um, to begin with. The first kind is peace with God. All the way back to Genesis, Scripture tells us that Adam and Eve enjoyed peace with God. That's, you know, not, not separated. There's no distance. 
and all the way up till the fall. So Genesis 3.8 tells us that from that time on, they hid themselves from the presence of God. Their peace uh, with God was broken, right? When we read in the Old Testament after that episode about different kinds of offerings. So for example, what we see in Leviticus 3, Leviticus 7, is this particular offering that is a foreshadow of the reconciliation that we would later know through Jesus. And this offering is called peace offering. Now, one special thing about this peace offering is that, so what they do is the animal sacrifice, they'll remove all the fats and then that's what they offer. That's like the best part. They offer that to God on the altar. And then after that, they partake of a meal over what is left from what they've offered. So the priests would divide that up and then together with the people who offered that offering, they would share a meal together. And this is to signify God has accepted the offering and the people then as a result receive peace. So they share this meal together. And so we see God and the priests and the people kind of sharing in that together, a picture of peace that God wants with his people and also that God wants for among his people, right? That's what we see. And Jesus is really this picture of the perfect peace offering, perfect sacrifice. He's the Prince of Peace, we know in Isaiah 9. He is unblemished, without sin. And so because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can now be in communion and in fellowship with God, in right relationship with each other, right? Romans 5.1 tells us, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20 says, And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. No other way but through Jesus. So this kind of peace with God is through Jesus. And then there's the second kind of peace, which is peace with others. All right, we're looking at that now. Take a look at Ephesians 2, 14 to 17, where it says that for he, in reference to Jesus, he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. And so in this text, both groups is to refer to the Jews and the Gentiles. And so there's no more hostility between us, right? So verse 15 then goes on to say that he, uh, that he hoped to create in himself one new humanity in place of two, so making peace. And so that he might reconcile us in one body, right, through the cross. And verse 17 then says, So he came and proclaimed peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. So as a result of our having peace with God, we are not able to have peace with each other. That's what this text is saying, which is really the imagery you see for if you were the one that was partaking in that peace offering meal, you don't just see it, you actually experience and you taste of it. And more so, Jesus being that sacrifice once and for all. I mean, we don't do animal sacrifice now. He has made us right with God. And so now we can have this relationship with each other as a result of us sharing in the death and life of Jesus, right? Uh, That's the beautiful thing of what's foreshadowed in the Old Testament. So as Christ now lives in us, the life we live now, we live by faith in the Son of God. The peace we have, through that, Jesus gives us the power, the grace for reconciliation in our human relationships. So what we're really saying, if we think deeper, is that any conflict or brokenness is not just between us and the other party, but really that Jesus is present 
in those relationships. And Jesus desires for us who follow him to be people who make peace, to be people who pursue peace, right? So that's why in Matthew 5, 9, uh, Jesus taught that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be known as the children of God. And then James 3, 17 to 18 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. So verse 18 says, and the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let me read you a brief excerpt from someone who explained it super well. Okay. And he says this, that the true wisdom is erenikos. So in Greek, the word for peace is erene, which is the root word for like names like Irene and, and so on. So erene or erenikos is what is translated as peace or peaceable, right? And this word, when it's used for humanity, its basic meaning is the right relationships between human to human and also human and God. And true wisdom produces right relationships, which is a peaceable kind of wisdom. One that is, uh, you know, as opposed to wisdom that is worldly, that is arrogant, that is divisive, that is rebellious towards God and things of God. Right? True wisdom is one that is peaceable, that sows in peace, that creates peace. So what James is saying is, if you want to see a harvest of righteousness and right standing with God, we sow in peace and we be people who make peace. Right? So I hope you're tracking with me. I'm going somewhere with this. We've talked about peace with God and uh, we've talked about peace with others. Right? And third would be peace within. Now while it's possible to parse three different categories because they are distinct, like what I just tried to do, uh, in, in human experience as well in scripture, but what we really should remember is that they're, they're interconnected. Like, you know, they're inextricably uh, part of the same thing, right? Peace. Thomas Merton, in fact, uh, puts it super concisely. He says, man is not at peace with his fellow man because he's not at peace with himself. And he's not at peace with himself because he's not at peace with God. All right, it makes it sound simple, but yeah, profound, right? Let's bear down on this third kind of peace, right? Those of you who like Kung Fu Panda, and I'm a fan, uh, there's a scene where Master Shifu is teaching Po, talking to him about inner peace, uh, to which Po said, inner peace? That's cool. Inner peace of what, right? Uh, so when we talk about peace within, uh, interchangeably, we talk about peace, inner peace. When we imagine peace, we tend to imagine tranquil, calm, serene, uh, harmonious, and, and these are nice, peaceful type of words, for sure. And, and that's probably why I think many of us love to um, escape to less crowded places um, where things are not so crazy, or take a break away from the city, go on vacation, uh, to, to you know, break away from reality for a while, right? But these are, at best, uh, let me burst your bubble if you don't already know. These are temporal, right? We know that they're, they're merely, you know, uh, uh, kind of external peace because it's, it's a matter of your environment. It's volatile, it's elusive, it's fleeting, very short-lived. I'm somewhat of a recluse. Um, I, I can go on solitary trips. If I can, I would, uh, for extended period, retreat by myself, go solo for days. That's bliss for me. Um, voluntary isolation is in fact a rhythm that I've always cherished and I've always enjoyed. 
But I have to say that, you know, this time that I set aside to commune with God in ways I cannot during other times, when I got married and became a mom, I haven't been, uh, you know, really diligent in just guarding that time. Uh, so the hugest, biggest adjustment for my soul care uh, was just learning to enjoy God's peace even in the midst of the chaos uh, that life can be. Yeah, at times. When you can't be extracted from the day-to-day as often as, as you wish, uh, to cultivate the fruit of peace right in the midst of my worry, my scurry. Uh, so it's definitely an area God is maturing me to walk in, in cultivating as a lifestyle. Still so much to learn. Um, but I know that God wants me to learn that, to just practice His presence uh, every day. And for many of us, adulting, right? As we get older, there are commitments, responsibilities that uh, is, you know, becomes less and less optional in a way. Uh, troubles of life that become more real than when we were much, much younger. I mean, it's pretty challenging, right? So here's what you can commit to memory today, uh, if most of what I've said is hard to uh, memorize. The fruit of peace as a result of walking in the Spirit is this. God's peace is a peace that is within us amid difficulties through trust and thanksgiving to Him, right? So what we're going to look at is we're going to do this in three parts. The first part is God's peace that is within us, right? A crucial point to remember is that peace within cannot start with us. And so it doesn't end with us. Or it doesn't start with the world. As followers of Jesus, the kind of inner peace we have is really peace of God, right? Which comes from God himself. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. Jesus tells his disciples, My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. So Jesus is saying, look at the underline, my peace, this is my gift to you, my peace. You see, what that means is to have peace that is of God because our hearts cannot have peace apart from him. Jesus has to give it and we have to receive it from him. And it's not just hard to have peace apart from God. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible. And that's why I love C.S. Lewis, who just puts it plainly. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. To have peace that the world gives is, picture, you know, it's like placing our eggs in a basket that is prone to rocking, prone to damage, where those eggs are, uh, you know, easily going to spill over the rim and break, no matter how hard you try to balance it or protect it. The world can only offer us a volatile kind of a sense of calm at best, if at all. And even so, in what way do we see the world able to offer the kind of peace that lasts, that is stable? We see turmoil everywhere, uh, rumors of war, um, natural disasters, conflicts, broken treaties, all forms of oppression in the name of progress. Elusive. World peace, world peace, where is it? Right. As opposed to the notion, though, of training yourself to achieve inner peace, like some forms of religious practices, like maybe 10, 20 years of training, you stay somewhere um, far from the pleasures of the world, from distractions, then you can achieve some kind of master level. Not that kind, but the peace that Jesus gives to his disciples is not of the world. 
And that's why we call it a transcendent peace, one that is beyond human. It's beyond human peace, and that's why it cannot originate from us. Peace within is a gift, and that we would only receive and walk in it, which Jesus told his disciples to do. Second part of that statement, that memory statement I said, is that this God's peace is a peace that is within us amid difficulties, right? And what do I mean by that? You've probably heard it. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of disruption or difficulties or pressure. And it's not that as disciples of Jesus, we are impervious, we are immune to suffering or hardships. We know by now, I hope, that we're not. John 16.33 says, and this verse, if you haven't seen it today, you are looking at it twice. I have said these things to you, that in me, you may have peace. In who? In him, in Jesus. In the world, is not peace. You will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In the message version, it says, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. You had difficulties before you knew me, and once you've known me, you will continue to experience difficulties. But in me, you will be unshakable, assured, deeply at peace. That's the message version. Take heart, I've conquered the world. Now, let me ask you, how do you know you have peace? How do you know that something can withstand pressure? A pressure test, right? When you face pressure, some of y'all do weight training. I don't, but I know many of you do. I've heard someone illustrate it like this. So when your weight bar has no weights on it, you can lift the bar. Easy, right? When you lie down, I don't know what you call that, but you know, there's no problem lifting the weight bar. When the weights start getting on it and you add to it and you add to it, at some point, you're gonna come to a point of increased difficulty lifting it that you can buckle under that if you're not careful, right? You gotta be very careful and buckle under that pressure. And sometimes it's not just the big weights, right? The catastrophic things that happen, the major crisis, sometimes it's the, the small weights, the things that you add to it also. The, what we call the petty friction of everyday life. Uh, th that phrase just captures it. When the smaller weights come, they compound the pressure. Jesus didn't promise you have a bar without weights. He said you will have it, but we won't take it a bit further. Okay? Remember, we looked at John 14, right? Now, in John 14, if you did not realize, let me point it out to you. Maybe you did. When Jesus told his disciples that he gives peace that is beyond what this world gives, the disciples were in a place of distress. They were not at all feeling peaceful. Peaceful, okay? It was not a nice stroll in Bukitima, and Jesus goes, yeah, oh yeah, you know, peace. Peace to you, my brothers. It was, hey guys, I'm leaving. Here is my peace. You're going to need it. And they're like, what? You're leaving? Why? Why are you deserting us, right? But Jesus says, there's more to that. In that context of John 14, he is promising them the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. So basically he's saying, here, I'm leaving. If I don't go, Holy Spirit can come, okay? And you need the promise of the Spirit. Why? Holy Spirit is your helper, your counselor, your Advocate, the Paraclete, who is with you always amid the difficulties. Now picture Holy Spirit having his hands lifting the weight bar with you, 
standing behind you, lifting it with you. You still got to carry it, you still got to lift it, but you're not alone. You're, you can carry weight beyond what you usually can. Why? Because He's always by your side. He promises His presence, His help, His wisdom, His strength, His protection. He promises peace under that pressure. And whatever burdens you face in right here, this season of your life right now, He is your ever-present help in times of need. Classic story. Shift with me from imagining the weight bar. We're going to imagine now a storm. Disciples caught in a storm with Jesus, Mark 4, 38 to 39, says, But he was in the stern, Jesus, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Why are we dying here? Right? He woke up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. Now we're familiar with this. So put it in the context of understanding peace within. Jesus didn't question why a storm would take place while he's on the ship. He's the son of God, you know, these things, should it happen? He questioned though, after they questioned him for not caring, he questioned them for their lack of faith. The storms we face reveal whether we really understand who Jesus is and who we are to him. And, and they test our faith in ways that non-troubled times don't. It takes storms to shake us for us to get a fresh revelation of Jesus. And so after these verses, you will see a couple of verses down there. They say almost rhetorically, like, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. They had a revelation of who Jesus is because of the storm. Much of our anxiety and our panic or our worries stem from actually our expectations. That's one way to kind of break it down. The disciples maybe expected, oh, with Jesus here, we shouldn't be having the storm. Something is wrong. He's not in control. So when their expectations are not met, they panicked. Jesus is not acting. That's how we feel. We expect God to act, to rescue the moment we feel that turbulence, we may not be prepared for trouble every time it happens, but hey, we can look to Jesus for how to respond. And Jesus uses these times to reveal himself, who he is to us, and causes us to learn to trust in him, not without difficulty, but in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm. And so there's this quote by Hannah Whittle Smith that says, it's a bit long, but track with me, it's a good one. In the secret of God's tabernacle, no enemy can find us and no troubles can reach us. The pride of man, the strife of tongues, find no entrance into the pavilion of God. The secret of his presence is a more secure refuge than a thousand Gibraltars. I do not mean that no trials come. They may come in abundance but they cannot penetrate into the sanctuary of the soul and we may dwell in perfect peace even in the midst of life's fiercest storms. The sanctuary of just being in the presence of God, that's peace that surpasses all understanding. And just like joy, it's not an absence of despair, but that when you are sad, you will yet rejoice. So in the same profound and true way, 
to cultivate peace as a fruit means to expect. Now, not to invite trials, that's different, okay? But you expect it, and you know that you're not immune to it. And you expect it in, in some sense when they happen, you embrace trials when they come, not if, but when. So peace is not having a trouble-free life, but knowing you have a certain peace in the midst of certain difficulty, difficulty that is certain, it will surely come. And by the way, just because you're not going through hard times doesn't mean you've got peace in your heart either, does it? Let me share with you something that stood out. Remember I said we'll look at John 14 again. This stood out when I checked out the two John verses in the message version. John 14, 27 says, Jesus tells them, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset, don't be distraught. John 16, 31 to 33, Jesus then says to them, Hey, I know that you're about to make a run for it. You're going to save your own skins and you're going to abandon me. And then he says, but I'm not abandoned. The Father is with me. And I've told you all this so that trusting in me, you will be unshakable. Jesus had a peace within. You've got to catch this. In that moment, he knew he was about to endure unimaginable pain, not just physical. In every sense, separation from God was impending. Right? He's about to be betrayed by those who, uh, you know, who would deny him who would deny ever knowing him, his closest friends, they would be abandoning him. And he tells them that to their face. You're going to abandon me. But I want you to know the peace that will not leave you feeling abandoned. Because you know what? Even knowing you're going to abandon me, I'm not abandoned. The Father is with me. And I want you to have this peace. Why? What makes a difference? The Father is with me. Which brings me to the third part okay, of that statement. What is peace of God, really? It is peace that is within us, amid difficulties, through trust and thanksgiving. We all know the song still, right? Beautiful song. When the oceans rise and thunders were, I'm, I'm not going to try and sing it. I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. Why do we lose this peace that God gives us? It's when we forget he's God. John Mark Comer calls it temporary atheism, and I suffer from it on a daily basis. Right? When our confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God goes below our own. Let me repeat that. When our confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God is lower than our trust in our own wisdom and our own ability to control things. Max Lucado puts it this way, the peace of God transcends all logic, scheming, and efforts to explain it. True faith, by an effort of the will, fixes our gaze on the divine helper. And it's, you know, it, you, then you find it possible to lose your fears in the presence of God. And sometimes it's wise to lose it. It is madness to say, I will not be afraid. But it is wisdom and peace to say, I will trust and not be afraid. The Father is with me. 
it's true that sometimes we worry because we don't have the facts. Uh, we hear news that is unsettling. There's uncertainty. Uh, we need to do our due diligence. We need advice from the right people. I know we talk about that. It's it's been part of just you know dealing and managing with things. And these help to allay our fears many a times. But how many of you know sometimes even with expert opinion and all the information that you need that is before you, we still are not walking in peace. Why? Because then we shift our trust into our own wisdom, and our own wisdom goes above our trust in the wisdom of God. Who is the object of our gaze, our faith today? The only way for abiding peace that transcends all understanding is to trust in Him with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, to place our trust in Him. Isaiah twenty six three says, "Those of steadfast mind." You keep in peace. In peace because they trust in you. We stay our minds on God. We think on Him. We trust in His love, in His power, and His wisdom. That He is good towards you. That God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know the plans I have for you. And I will work all things out for your good. Jesus Himself went through trials. And so when he says, hey, it's not like he says, hey, don't worry, la. everything will turn out okay. Uh, you know, I know how you feel and not mean it. It's not. He knows. He really knows. And God speaks that to us as a promise. Everything will be okay, my child. I know how you feel. But trust me, because God cares for you. His love. He holds all things in heaven and earth together. Power. How is he not then able to do all things for us? God is wise. He knows all things in time and space. To know him as our savior means putting our trust fully in him. He came to demonstrate his love for us where all our sins are washed away. And he not only died so that we may be forgiven, but he came to life again for us. So committing our life into his hands means saying yes to receiving this new life to follow him as your Lord. Think about Jesus being with you in that boat in your storm right now. Whatever that worries you, whatever your storm is, maybe you've tried your best in something and it's still not good enough. Maybe you know you just made a decision and it, it looks like it's turning out bad and you're like, oh, it's terrible, it's going to fall apart. Maybe a, a relationship broke uh, and just you don't know how to fix it. Maybe you're in a career rut. Maybe you've tightened your budget, but um, you know finances are still not okay. Maybe you've not been able to pray uh, and, and settle your thoughts. Or you, you've tried something very hard to, to uh, work on it, but it's not getting better. You want to give up. Or maybe you're at a crossroads. Uh, you're confused. Um, you're scared to make the wrong decision. You don't know what to do. Maybe you're in a situation where you somehow got into, you don't know how you got there, or maybe you know how you got there, but you don't see a way out. Or you look at your friends, you know, you know wondering, and you look at your life, and you're like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know. God, um, um, am, I, am I doing the right thing? Why am I feeling this way? You've been maybe struggling at home uh, where things can get crazy, and you feel like a total failure. Maybe you have trouble sleeping. Maybe, you know, all sorts of things. Maybe you're just feeling overwhelmed. You just dread waking up every morning. Whatever that triggers your anxiety, gets you worried, you know what it is. Listen, peace is simply defined the presence of God. 
when you trust, you are not abandoned, the Father is with you. When you're anxious, don't listen to your thoughts too much. Speak to your heart. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Lift up your voice and look to Him and praise Him and give thanks. When you're bothered, think on Him. That's how we cultivate, just abiding in Him who is alone, our peace that lasts. Right? And that's why in Philippians 4, we're going to draw to a close, 6 to 9 says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so verse 8 goes on to say, anything that's true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, stay your minds to think about these things. Keep on practicing what you've heard and learned and the God of peace will be with you. And maybe some of you, when you're hearing this and you don't know Jesus personally, I want to later on, quite soon, we invite you to take a step of faith today to say yes. I, that maybe you're saying, that yes, I want to know Him as my Savior. Uh, I want to have a friendship with Jesus, the Lord of my life. Um, towards the end, we're gonna, we'd love to guide you in a prayer for this. All right. Now, why does Philippians 4 tell us Thanksgiving? Your circumstances haven't changed. Maybe at that point, your prayers have not been answered, but why give thanks? Because that's peace, that's trust. We give thanks because no matter the outcome, at this point in time, my job is I'm just going to cast my burdens to you, Jesus, because you care for me. We focus on His character and the privileges we have in Him. Question, does He love you? Yes, He does. Is He able? Yes, He is. Is He wise and all-knowing? He is. And on the basis of God's presence and His goodness, is God with you? Always. Is He good? Always. God, our sovereign God, is the giver of all peace. I want to invite you to just you know, respond to God. I've spoken a lot, and um, I hope that some part of that has really just spoken to you and spoken life into your situation from God, not from me. I want to just spend a couple minutes just to invite our response for two specific groups of people. And the first one is for those of you who are hearing this and you're watching, you don't, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And as you're listening to this today, there's a desire that's doing within you that you, know, you want to take a step of faith today. And you want to say yes and you turn your life over to Him as your Savior uh, because He has died for you and He offers you new life in Him. And you want to now walk the rest of your life with Him. And if that's you, would you pray this with me as a confession, as an act of faith, uh, to express your heart's desire? Dear Lord Jesus, I'm thankful for your forgiveness of sin when you gave your life for me on the cross. I receive your love and new life and lasting peace from today onwards. I want to follow you in your ways 
I want to follow you as my Lord. Help me to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer or you're interested, but you're not very sure and you'd like to know more, that's okay. We have a prayer team uh, and we'd love for you to stay back. Um, we have people that can have a chat with you and do stay back and join the prayer room after this. We'd love to get to know you. The second um, call that I felt um, led to guide us in today is for some of you who are in a storm right now that is very real and even as you've heard uh, some of the things that has been shared um, you're just like yeah you know I needed to hear this so this is for people you're desiring peace in the midst of a storm that you're in right now is God pointing out an area in your life um, that maybe you've not fully handed to him Or even like, you know, at the start of, uh, before we even started worship, when Tim kind of encouraged us to, you know, be serious and just do business with God. Um, how is God speaking to you about committing those areas of storm to Him and trust Him with thanksgiving this morning? And if that's you, I just want to invite you for the next few seconds, just in your own words, tell him about the storm. He knows, but it's different when you share it with him in your own words. And just tell him and ask him for help. God, we just thank you that you meet with us at every point of our need. And this morning, you know each single person that needed to be ministered to in a very specific way through this invitation. And so, God, we as a community just pray uh, with our brothers and sisters who've just responded, uh, either it's to receive you into their lives or uh, responded to commit an area of storm in their lives to you. God, we just stand together and we say, God, truly you are the giver of peace. And so um, we want to choose to have your peace, to receive it, a peace within us that is in the midst of difficulty, uh, able to trust and able to give thanks because truly you are peace himself. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.